Okay, shall we have a word of prayer? Let's begin. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for blessing us um, with your word and also with food this afternoon for those of us that had lunch. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us um, the energy and the attentiveness uh, to learn more about how we can be more effective as Christians online. Um, Please bless this presentation and may it bring glory to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have signed up, even if you have, uh, please do take the QR code and fill out the information anyways. We're going to just get rid of those pieces of paper. Appreciate your willingness to come up and sign up in the, fr- uh, in the first place, but this is how we're going to proceed. So I'm going to give you another five seconds before that's going to leave, and it will be gone forever until about an hour, then it'll be back. And we are done. Okay, how many of you have heard of forks over knives? Hands up. This um, is a, a well-ordered and well-designed picture of their app. I don't have their app, but I like this. And um, who can tell me why this looks good? Just put your hand up and shout it out. Once I, once I point at you, yes. It's simple. Good. Anyone else? Yes. It's colorful. Nice. What else? Yes. It communicates the concept, which is what? Okay, forks over knives. Good. Yes. All right. It, it, it's, it has a coherent theme. Good. Anyone else want to just give something? We'll take one more if there is one. Yes. All right, it's clean and organized. Very good, very good. Um, how many of you have heard of the documentary, The Game Changers? Uh, a lot of the men on this one. Um, this documentary was released a few years ago. I believe, was it on Netflix? I think it was on Netflix. Um, don't quote me on that. But essentially, this followed elite athletes that had adopted or had always been on a vegan lifestyle and talked about their journey and how they were able to compete with people that were getting protein from their meats. Um, Apparently, you know, vegetarians and vegans don't get that stuff. So this was very good. Why does this look good? Why does this poster look good? It it looks good. Why? Very good. Very good. Love those responses. Um, Anyone else? Sorry? Okay, yes, the visual presentation is good. Who can tell me why? Yes. The veins are green. Why, why does that matter? Okay, it's emphasizing the strength, kind of like a nod to the Hulk. Um, are you allowed to say that, GYC? I don't know. Yes. Okay, good, good. It draws you. When, when you look at this, what are you looking at? Are you looking at like the really grainy green? You're looking at the arm, right? You're looking at the title. It draws you in. These are all very good. Um, both of these two slides that I showed you um, are both talking about, in one way or another, the Adventist message. Did you know that? Here's what Ellen White says. Grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables constitute the diet chosen for us by our Creator. These foods, prepared in as simple and natural a manner as possible, are the most healthful and nourishing. They impart a strength, a power of endurance, and a vigor of intellect 
that are not afforded by a more complex and stimulating diet. So they've taken, well, they haven't taken this, but it's as if they've taken this and they've run with it. And they're, okay, let's make something great. Let's use these principles of health and diet and exercise, and let's, let's make a documentary that's in turn going to make us millions of dollars. We've also taken this. We have this quote. We had it first. We had these principles. And then we were like, well, let's take it and let's use it to make flyers. And so we, we advertise our health message. And whilst this whole thing isn't just, you know, one flyer, it's, it's various aspects of some things that you might see when advertising the health message. This is what we look like a lot of the time. I don't know about you. Eh. Not really a fan of this one. But it's this kind of stuff that we often find associated with how we advertise the truth that we definitely have. Or sometimes, and as Clive said, I'm not trying to mock the people that made this, but sometimes it looks like this as well. Um, where what we've decided is we're going to get the evangelist front and center, that's fine, and then we're just going to just rainbow the whole thing. So we're going to get as many different colors as we can, as many different font styles as we can. We're going to have a, a shiny title font at the top. We're going to have some blurred fonts in the middle that no one can read, which just so happens to be the address. Um, we're going to have various buzzwords at the bottom. We're going to put as much information on the flyer as possible. Why? Because let's be honest, most people aren't going to come, but at least they'll learn something from the flyer. We've had the health message for over a hundred years, and the world puts us to shame with how they teach it. So this message um, is simply to illustrate to you that a powerful message deserves a powerful presentation. Let's look at this image. Why does this look good? Again, hands. Anyone? Yes, at the back. It's symmetrical, very good. Yes. The lighting is beautiful, right? What else? Leading lines, very good. Principle of photography there. What else do we have? Yes. Yes, focus is right there. It's, it's the most well-lit part of the room. Any other things that, that you really like about this? How many of you think it looks good? Why? Right, you have to have a reason. Oh, it looks good. What makes you think it looks good? Yes. Yes, yes, symmetry. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. And even the colors of the orchestra, what they're wearing, matches with the colors that are currently in the shot. The colors of the instruments go well with the image. It's all very nice. Good. Just a few exercises. What about this? This is a soccer stadium in Berlin. Why does this look good? Anyone want to tell me? Is this because you guys don't like soccer? You guys have nothing? <laughs> okay. Again. 
the colors, all right? So striking colors, um, greens and blues, with, which often contrast one another. What else? Yes, the size, right? It gives some depth. That can hold about 60,000 people. Um, so it, it really gives you that kind of grandiose epicness about it. Um, the shape, the circular motion, it's quite, it's quite striking in that it has this clear gap running right down the middle, um, which is very unusual for, for a stadium. What about this? I'll be honest with you guys. I have no idea what that is. But if someone put it on a plate, I'd bless and eat because it looks good. Oh, 100%. If you go into a restaurant and you order something and it comes out like that, let's say you, you, just, you, you didn't see the menu and you just said, just bring me whatever you want, and they bring that out. What's your first thought? All right, if your first thought wasn't, I can't afford this, then you're missing the point here. Because if that came out, I would be like, listen, I appreciate you guys so much. Um, and I would say to my wife, it's time to go. Um, there's a Chipotle 0.5 miles down the road. You know, I, I wasn't expecting this. This tells you that because there's so much care put into the presentation. Let's be honest, no one's eating those seeds on the plate. They're not even, it's food that's not there to be eaten. And you're at a restaurant. Okay? When I go out to eat, I, I, I want to eat everything. Because that's what I'm paying for. Here, they're like, no, you don't want to eat everything. You want to eat some of it. But what you really want is you want to post that on Instagram. Okay? And they know that. So they're charging higher prices because they, they understand that the presentation tells of a certain excellence. And you're willing to give a little bit more for that. If you're able. When it comes to church media, oftentimes our standards are, are quite low right? We get the preacher on the stage, we'll put a camera, doesn't matter if it's fo focused or not, we'll just put it there, you know, as long as it's in the general direction of where the guy is, and, you know, we'll hit record, we'll sleep, and when we hear the last amen, we'll wake up, turn it off, there you go, ministry. And oftentimes, have you ever watched, watched sermons and the preacher, you know, because he, he's got some energy, he's walking around, and, and he's, he's, you know, he's got in this big auditorium, and he moves to the left, and the camera stays, stays center, and then they realize, and then, and then the camera just flings left, but he's already moved back into the middle by that time. And you're like, oh. But you don't see that in other places, right? You don't turn on the TV or watch like well-made things online, and the cameraman is just not interested. You don't see those things. But if you see them somewhere, you probably see them in some sort of church ministry, which is really unfortunate. Shout out to all you camera guys out there. Clive. Um, so let's, let's look at some design principles. We're going to go right back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 1. We have day one. What do we know about day one? Well, we know some things. But what we know is that God, when he was finished with it, said it was good. It was good. It looks good. We know as we go on, as he continued to create, as he made the flowers and as he made the animals and even the insects, Probably not cats, because I don't think God made cats. Um, I have cats, but clearly sin, sin did something there. They're not normal. Um, as we move throughout creation, we see time and time and time again that there is order, that there is design, and at the end of all of it, it was good. Not only do we see this in creation, 
But as we move into looking at the temple, oh, I was meant to put a, a, a picture in there. Anyways, um, as we look at the temple, we see that these, these elements of design carry through. Ellen White says, of surpassing beauty and unrivaled splendor was the palatial building which Solomon and his associates erected for God and his worship. So this is not the sanctuary, this is Solomon's temple. She says it was of, of how much beauty? Of surpassing beauty, unrivaled splendor. Okay, she has another quote where she says that it was the most beautiful building ever erected by man. Why? What's the point? Exactly. Because you have the sanctuary, which no doubt looked good, but wouldn't have touched this. Right? Wouldn't have touched this in terms of how it looks. And how it looks isn't really necessary for God's presence to be in it. But God said, do it like this. Use the very best materials. Use the gold and use, all the, you, use the, the scarlet and all of these things. Because I want people to see the exterior beauty and be drawn to the interior beauty. What about the high priest? It says the entire priestly vest must be made of fine linen, skillfully woven with blue, purple, and red wool, and decorated with gold. These are very specific instructions. From the same costly material, make a breastplate for the high priest, precious stones, mount the stones in delicate gold settings, attach two gold rings, fasten them with two braided gold chains to gold settings on the shoulder straps. God likes gold, it seems. Or at least God knows that we like gold. And, and the point of this was to elevate the priest in the eyes of the people. He was not to wear the common tunic. He was to be dressed in such a way as you would look and say, Wow, that man has a very special, unique, individual calling. That's the high priest. It distinctified him from the common people, and it elevated the minds of the people. You can imagine if he's, you know, if, if, if there's a bunch of people in a room and they're messing about, when he walks in, what happens? Silence. Because it's illustrating something here. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. It had to be just like that because God cares about design. God cares about design. We see this continue um, even into the time of the Reformation. In what we know as the Dark Ages, it's common knowledge now, that the common people didn't oftentimes have the Word of God available to them to read. Many of them couldn't even read. But those that could usually didn't have access to the Word of God. What did they have access to? This is from a book called Artwork of the Reformation. Art that portrayed religious figures or scenes followed Protestant theology by depicting people and stories accurately and clearly and emphasized salvation through divine grace rather than through personal deeds or by intervention of church bureaucracy. They turned to art. When the Bibles were removed, they said, ah, but there's something that you can't take from us. You can't take the knowledge which has been passed down from generation to generation. You can't take these stories 
You may be able to take the literal and the physical book, but my mother told me the story of Samson, and my dad told me the story of Uzzah, and all of these things then were translated into art, and not just portraits, but arts which them, art which themselves told stories. And this was one of the ways in which the Reformation was able to spread. It says, in terms of subject matter, iconic images of Christ and scenes from the Passion became less frequent. They moved away from images purely of the cross because that had become so symbolic of Catholicism. As did portrayals of the saints and the clergy, and instead, narrative scenes from the Bible and moralistic depictions of modern life became prevalent. Instead, they moved to turning stories into art because they knew that would be effective. Moving on to the press, it says, the Protestant church was therefore able to bring their theology to the people through portable, inexpensive visual media. This allowed for the widespread availability of visually persuasive imagery, and many artists provided drawings to book and print publishers. So even in the time when the Word of God was was gone, absent, removed, the people were able to turn to design in order to maintain the message, in order to keep it going until it would eventually be brought into the public hands. So, some practical tips. Where to start when it comes to design? Well, let's look at this. Two gardens. One probably resembles more closely the garden of your home, and the other one, the garden that you go out to take pictures in. That was a judgment. At least if I had a garden, it would probably look like the one on the left. Which one looks better? Let's take a poll. And we need to be serious. We have some people in here that like to put their hands up for things that they know are wrong anyways. So, if you prefer the garden on the left, just put your hand up. There's less work, huh? What about the garden on the right? All right, so the vast majority, vast majority of you say that the one on the right, would you agree, just say amen if you would agree that it is more beautiful. Or in fact, that it is just beautiful and the other one isn't. You okay with saying that? Sometimes we don't like to say that, you know, things aren't beautiful. Not everything's beautiful. Say that. Oh, yeah, it has a lot of room for improvement, for sure. We have this saying that we've just kind of adopted as truth, and I'd like to challenge it a little bit, and that is the saying that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Now, to an extent, this is true, okay? Every man thinks that his wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. I agree, but that doesn't mean that it's truth. Are you with me? Beauty is not always in the eye of the beholder. And this statement isn't necessarily fact. And you proved this when you said that the one on the right is the one that's beautiful. Because if it's in the eye of the beholder, then how is that almost everyone, almost everyone agreed? Because what we see is we see principles of beauty. Because beauty is not random. Are you with me? Beauty is not random. There's design here, there's thought here, there's creativity here, there's hard work here. Which of these books stand out to you?
Probably the ones in the center, I can't imagine the bottom ones do. The one in the red, why do you think that is? Right, it catches your attention, right? In fact, there's, there's two red books there, but you can't see the, the name of the top one. So there's that red, what is it called? Iconic Advantage or Advantage. Iconic Advantage there in the red. And so that grabs your attention. You think, oh, wow, that looks cool. You're drawn to it. There's some other ones. There's Political Risk. Interesting. I Love Capitalism. Interesting. And, and does anyone know why they lay books out like this? It grabs your attention, yes. It's obviously a lot easier to see the book than it is to just see the spine of the book. But they do this, librarians do this, because they know that there is another truth, that truth that is put out there that you don't actually believe. No one believes that, right? That's, that's just a little phrase that we like to sh- sh- you know, throw at people when they're wrong. Ah, oh, but you shouldn't have judged the book by a cover. Of course you should. That's why they have covers. The whole point is that you would judge it. They spent thousands of dollars, some you wouldn't have guessed, but thousands of dollars on these covers because they know when you walk in, that's exactly what you're going to do. How else? How else are you going to get the book? You walk in, are you going to read the whole book before you buy it? You can't judge it by the content. Now, you might know the author. You might think, well, they wrote this and this was very good. But then they wrote this, and that wasn't so good. So you can't, I mean, Kellogg, you know? So you can't always just say, oh, the, uh, the author, the, the cover. The cover and maybe the blurb on the back if you can be bothered. But you're only turning to the blurb if you like the cover. Because we judge books by their covers all the time. We just like to say we don't because it makes us feel better. I judged all of you as you were walking in, by the way. Um, So here's some principles of design. There's reasons why things look good. You guys pointed um, some of these out already, but there's symmetry. Symmetry is naturally attractive. When we see symmetry in its various forms, we're drawn to it and we think, oh, that looks very good. I remember um, last year sometime, maybe it was this year, I don't remember. Um, I remember waking up, we were backpacking, came out of my tent, and I looked at the lake that we were right next to, and my mind was blown because I saw, you know, all the mountains that were in the distance were now in the lake, just perfectly reflected. And I was like, wow, this looks amazing. There was this perfect symmetry that ran right across, and it just looked beautiful. Symmetry does that. That's why oftentimes when they say, you know, who's the best-looking person in the world? And, of course, they only choose celebrities, right? They didn't get to see us. They just, get, they just get to see the other people. And so, like, who's the most beautiful person in the world? And so they take people that they say have the most symmetrical face. Where if you, I'm about to fall off. If you, if you divide their face in half, it looks almost exactly the same on both sides. Because they associate symmetry with beauty. Clutter-free design. This is definitely something um, that has become more prevalent in the last 10 to 15 years, where we have moved from you know, just having information to having a lack of information, removing details so that we can be drawn more closely to the actual object. Now, there is, I think, minimalism can go too far when it starts to remove all of the detail and when everything just becomes everything else because we're so minimalistic, it all kind of blurs into this one kind of chrome, silvery-looking kind of thing. 
But clutter-free design does what it's meant to do. It removes the unnecessary and draws you towards the subject. Exposure, a little self-plug there. Exposure, drawing your eyes naturally. You can't look at anything. You're drawn into the one thing that they want you to see. These things are all being done on purpose. These are principles of design that are used on you every day of your life whether it's on social media, whether it's through seeing billboards, whether it's online. All, the world knows these things so much better than us. They put so much more time into studying and understanding the arts, and we are generations behind. How can we change that? Well, we've started. As, I mentioned, as, as Clive mentioned, Lineage has done something special in that it's taken the Reformation, it's taken where our movements began, and it's put it in such a way that it is attractive, that it looks good, that it sounds good, it's informational, it can be used in schools, you can watch it at home. If you're driving 12 hours to Arizona, you can just put it on and just have it play you to sleep. I'm joking. Um, so, so here's an example of a really good ministry, and I'm not just saying this just because it's Clive, because um, it's really Adam. Um, <laughs> But here's, here's a ministry that has taken some of these design principles and, and done something special with it. So special, and I think this is when you know you've got something good. So special that when people see it, they immediately think, well, of course that exists. Of course there's video presentations on the Reformation, on the, on the Great Controversy. Why wouldn't there be? Well, there wasn't. Take types and symbols, for example. An Adventist design company that created the set known as the Conflict Beautiful. How many of you have seen these books? Many of you. These are not new. This is just the writings of Ellen White, which you have on your phone. They cost $200. Why? I'll tell you why. Because people appreciate design. Because, yes, I can go and give my rusty, crusty, half-torn-up desire of ages to my friend and say, please read this, it will change your life. Or, I can work many hours to save up for something like this and to say, listen, this is special. Because it looks special. I don't even have to say it's special. This is special. And you hold the book in your hand and you're like, some care was put into this. Because it's one thing to have the message, but when you package it like that, people want it more. So, why? Why should we put so much care into design? Christ is not to be hid away in the heart and locked in as a coveted treasure, sacred and sweet, to be enjoyed solely by the possessor. We are to have Christ in our hearts as a well of water, springing up into everlasting life, refreshing all who come in contact with us. We must confess openly and bravely, exhibiting in characters his meekness, humility, and love, till men shall be charmed by what? By the beauty of holiness. Holiness, people. Holiness is beautiful. 
Holiness is beauty. It's true beauty. It's beauty of character. It's Jesus. She goes on to say, a kind, courteous Christian is the most powerful argument that can be produced in favor of Christianity. And that there is an eloquence far more powerful than the eloquence of words in the quiet, consistent life of a pure, true Christian. Why am I sharing this with you now? Because this is the point. This is why design must be taken seriously. This is why the beauty, why the package is so important. Because it is representative of Jesus himself. It represents the fact that Jesus came without external beauty. But his life was so beautiful. There was so much care put into his, into his words and into his actions that he was beautiful. And so it should be with our design. When you're creating the, the bulletins for your church or, or the flyer for your outreach program or for your evangelistic series, do you sit down there and think, boy, I've got to get this right. Because this is the introduction. This is how people are going to come into contact with the message. I'm going to make sure I do my absolute best. Or do you think, what's the date? What's the title? Google image. Bing, bang, bosh. There you go. Set to print. And then you trifold it, but with a fold in the middle, so it all looks horrible. We need to put care into how we package the Word of God. It's too important. It's too valuable. And if you can sit here today and genuinely say that Jesus Christ changed your life, saved your life, gave you a new one, then you have an obligation. A what? An obligation. I remember when Pastor Moise Ratsara said, we have a great commission, not a great option. If Jesus Christ has touched your heart, you are obliged to share him with others. And it is our duty to present him as he is beautiful. And so when it comes to you creating your, your slides for your next presentation, when it comes to you, you know, advertising the next thing that's going to happen for your youth conference or, or the division that you're working for, whichever area in which you serve or want to serve, it's about time that we stopped making a mockery of the package because we love the message. Does that even make sense? It's about time that we started to take these things more seriously. And I'm encouraged that there's as many of you here as, as what there is. Because if this mission of taking the gospel to the world is going to happen, and if it's going to happen whilst we're still alive, we're going to need each other. 
because God did not pour all of the gifts and talents into one or two people. There's probably a very good reason why you're an excellent writer, but you couldn't draw a house. And I mean those stick houses, the squares with the triangle. Mess it up every time. There's probably a good reason why you can stand up here and sing so beautifully, but if someone asks you to do scripture reading, you stumble over all your words. Because we have gifts and talents that have been given to us in such a way that God knows for us to do ministry successfully, we're going to have to do it together. It's going to have to be a team. Even the ministries that maybe have one person at their head, one visual identity, there's at least seven, eight, ten sometimes people behind the scenes working to make that happen. Now I hope in that coming to GYC, you've come here with a strong desire to be involved in the work. To be involved in the work. I hope that you're asking the Lord, how can I be used? What are my gifts? How can they be done in such a way that I can bring glory to you? The gospel is beautiful. Let's make sure that they know that. Let's make sure that when they come into contact with the various parts of design that we show them when we're asking them to get involved, that we're not doing an injustice to the beauty of the message. This message was recorded in partnership with Audioverse at the GYC conference Break Forth in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.